Hey everybody, we're back. This is Dear World Christian. My name is Jason. Thank you so very much for stopping by today. Uh, this this is a special one today. We're going to do something a little bit different. I don't usually do lives on Tuesdays, but I thought it would be fun to do something different. And I have a guest coming in today who's going to um, tell us a little bit about himself and all that kind of good jazz like that. So before we get too far afield, if um, you have an opportunity, you do have questions, feel free to drop them in the chat. The, uh, you can put question or asterisk, question, whatever like that, down in the chat. I'll make it very easy for myself and John to know what the questions are and where the questions are so we can get them answered at the end of the episode. So I uh, thank you. And with no further ado, let's go ahead and bring John in. Mr. Harris, how are you doing this fine day, sir? Doing good. Doing good. Appreciate it, Jason. I know you uh, reached out to me on January 25th. I looked it up oh, wow. today oh, and uh, <laughs> we're about uh, seven months past that. But uh, here here we are. So uh, finally able to talk about social justice, CRT and whatever else we end up talking about in the course of our discussion. I love it. Well, man, hey, I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. For those people that don't know John Harris, I'm going to give him an opportunity to kind of introduce himself, tell him, tell everybody about him. But we're also streaming on John's channel as well. So there's a high probability that John Harris's um, subscriber base doesn't know who in the world this guy is talking to John. So I'll go ahead and do that as well. My name is Jason Whitaker, and I am the host of Dear Woke Christian the podcast. And what I do is I just like to talk about how critical race theory, social justice, and the such like that bump up against God's word. And we like to compare God's word against those things. And so today I asked John to come on because we can talk about critical race theory and social justice, but I want to talk about the idea of what people call Christian cancel culture. So that's what we're going to actually be talking about on today. But I got some good questions for you, John, because uh Believe it or not, there might be some people on my channel that don't know who you are. So uh, if you don't mind, John, yeah, John, tell so, me who, who you are and what your channel's about. Uh, John Harris is the name, and my channel is focused mostly on social justice and its infiltration into Christian institutions, churches, organizations, denominations. And I started uh, a few years ago now. It was January 2019 when I did my first okay. video about Southeastern, which is where I went to seminary and expose some of the things that were happening there. And uh, since then, it's just been a tidal wave of interest in uh, social justice, what it is, where it's coming in, uh, why it's wrong. So I consider what I am doing on the channel to be apologetics related. Okay. And I haven't seen a lot of good materials out there to counteract what's going on. So I've written a few books. Uh, Christianity and Social Justice was the last one. And that's the one I actually recommend people read first. And then before that, I wrote uh, wrote a book on really a historical book uh, called Social Justice Goes to Church that just kind of analyzes how social justice thinking made its way into the church. So uh, that's what I'm about. I love it. I love it. Now, John, I know we went over a couple of questions we were planning on talking about, but I did not grab your URL for your books. And I do apologize about that. Do you mind uh, dropping that in the chat and I'll put it out there for everybody? Um, oh, a link? Yeah, yeah a link. If you have a, a link tree or anything yep. like that for yep. worldviewconversation.com. So, yep, I'll put it right there. Uh, I love it. And I will make sure that it is available for everybody. I'll tag it to the top for everyone to check out what you're doing. So you said put them in order. Which the first, what is the first book that they should read? 
Uh, yeah, so I, I wrote them out of order for there's a reason for that. But uh, okay. I, I think the second one that I wrote on social justice, which is called Christianity and Social Justice, Religions and Conflict, uh, would be where I would go first. And then uh, and then after that, when, once you understand what social justice is, which is what I do in that book, and mm -hmm. I show how it contradicts Christianity, then read Social Justice Goes to Church. So you can find out, oh, this is how the, this kind of thinking has made its way into evangelical circles and conservative denominations. So, yeah. Got it. I love it. Well, thank you, man. Now, um, the moderators are going to be dropping that in the chat. So I do appreciate it. Thank you, moderators. You guys know I'll be doing too much. So you guys are great. All right. So we've been talking about social justice and that's kind of been the uh, conversation du jour. But now, so my question was, you've been discussing CRT and such for quite a bit. Actually, you know, you wrote a book about it. And so we talked a little bit about your books. We we have those and they, they've dropped in the chat right there. So we got those. Perfect. Love it. That's what I get for not reading my questions before I, uh, while I'm doing this. Now, let's talk about it because this is the conversation for the day. What is cancel culture in the secular sense, John? What, what do you understand cancel culture to be? So I actually do talk about this a little bit in the last book I wrote. And because I had the same question, it's a new term. What is it? Why all of a sudden we're hearing it just like CRT and a whole host of other terms woke. Uh, it, it was like around 2017, 18, when all of a sudden these terms started to get tossed around. And then by 2020, they were dinner table conversation terms. So um, the particular term cancel culture really w wasn't around until about 2018. And um, and there was an article in, in the secular world. There was an article, I believe it was in Britain, that was published that used this term to analyze what was happening there uh, in regards to some of their um media figures and celebrities and others that were being attacked by online mobs mostly to um, try to discredit them and to get them uh, canceled now is the term we understand it to be. But um, so so that, that was where it originated, but it wasn't a popular term until 2020. And that's when we saw, of course, individuals, businesses and institutions facing censorship and destruction on a large scale for failure to comply with social just, justice driven demands and mostly the BLM movement. But of course, the Me Too movement factors into this. Um, a few figures, there's living figures and dead figures who have both been subjected to this. J.K. Rowling, of course, uh, was subjected to this uh, because of her transphobic comments. Um, we've seen on the grocery shelves, Quaker Oats, yes. um, Aunt Jemima <laughs> pancake, Quaker Oats, Aunt Jemima pan pancake mix. Of course, the labels there have changed because yes. they're supposedly racially insensitive. Uh, you have, um, uh, I mean, I think uh, the, the butter, Land Lakes butter, yep, the same Land thing. Lakes, There's a yep. number of different uh, things like that. And, and of course, um, we made a documentary called Paint the Wall Black about a business in Chicago that went from being number one on Yelp in the whole city to um, being the owners having to flee for their life in the middle of the night because of a mob, thousands of people and thousands of death threats against them because they would not post a black square on their Instagram profile. It really came down to that. Right. And, and so this is cancel culture and there's different versions of it. Uh, in Christianity, this is, I think, tempered to some extent, some extent, <laughs> not sometimes that's debatable, but Christians are supposed to, they're usually a little nicer, you would think, right. Than, than secular pagans out there mm -hmm. who, uh, have no shame, but um, we've seen this a number of times. In fact, there was a Christian university two years ago that uh, canceled 
uh, Shakespeare classes on Shakespeare because Shakespeare was uh, a white man and uh, represented certain insensitive ideas. We've had, uh, of course, in more conservative evangelical circles, uh, we've seen what what happened to Paige Patterson. I think he was one of the first ones in in the larger evangelical world to get quote unquote canceled. Um, and I was actually at Southeastern when that happened. So I, we, if we get into it, we can talk a little more about that. But um, we've seen attempts made on people like John MacArthur to some extent, I'd say, and uh, almost anyone really who's conservative I, in evangelicalism has had, I think, an attempt to not just discredit, but really trash their reputations and to make it impossible for them to obtain any kind of redemption or forgiveness or um, or understanding. So there's no contextualization in cancel culture. Mm-hmm. So they're, they don't attempt to understand first. It's usually some kind of cherry picked or very narrow interpretation. You, you might even just hear one quote out of context. That's very possible. And then off you go. So George Whitfield, Martin Luther, Jonathan Edwards, uh, these are figures that have been subjected to versions of this uh, from the history. And it's not because people who are reading them are attempting to understand in their context what they meant and why they said what they said. It's because they latch on to one thing they heard and then we got to destroy all their work or we, sh- we should never allow it to gain any kind of uh, prominence. Uh, so the goal is personal destruction. And for those who are still alive, it's a desire to hurt economically too, to try to make sure that um, someone doesn't actually gain uh, any kind of influence. They, they can't, um, if, if their job is being a pastor or, or if their job is, is in, in some kind of a public field, they're not allowed to return to that field once they've been canceled. So there's a, a certain sense of permanence to cancel culture. And it's just very different than the way Christians biblically should be acting, where there is opportunities for forgiveness, of course, and redemption. And we do attempt to understand before we critique and we confront issues. Um, that that whole thing's bypassed. And so I'll just end with this. I know I'm taking a long time to answer, but I'm trying to no be problem, thorough man. here. No I think um, one of the reasons we're having this, um, it, it's not like cancel culture is new, but I think the reason that this has become so big lately is because of a secular secularization that's happened to Western civilization, whereby if we have given up on the idea of divine judgment, there's no system of rewards and punishments after death. We have a, a stress upon ourselves that we must maintain some kind of a justice here on this earth. So if someone gets away with something in a secularist mindset, they're, they've gotten away with it. There's no chance for them to be held into account by a, a creator who applies a standard of justice. We are the ones now who are God or really right. our, our cooperation, uh, which we call the government, is God in which right. justice must take place. And so... Um, so it's up to us in this temporal world to try to carry out something that is close to a divine judgment. And I think that's why this is happening. Uh, it would be horrible if someone got away with something in, in the mind. And of course, as Christians, we know no one actually ever gets away with anything. That's, that's the beauty right. of Christianity. Uh, it, 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 for those who are, are in Christ, um, of course, their sins and their their all of their issues have been put on Jesus Christ. And so, uh, you know, he's the one that pays for their sin. But for those who don't turn to Christ, they're going to be judged. Mm-hmm. Cancel culture, because it's so secular, it comes from the secular world. Uh, I don't think that's even taken into account as much. It's just what can we do now to punish? And if the person's innocent, well, better to, you know, err on this on the, on the side of guilty until proven innocent. So we can make sure that justice is done 
on this side of heaven because there is no heaven or hell um, rather than what Christians have historically done, which is to try to err on the side of innocence, innocent until proven guilty. There's a switch of those two things. Mm -hmm. We see it in the Me Too movement. We see it in the BLM movement. And uh, to some extent, we've seen it with the COVID hysteria. And we'll probably see it with some other movements as well. So there you go. There's my file on cancel culture. Oh, all right, John. So you know what, John, because you've ruined my question order, because you actually answered three questions in that one question, John. We're going to have to work on this. We're going to have to work on the scripting thing. We're going to have to work on, okay, Jason's going to put this question. I'm going to answer only the secular question. Because my next question was, how is that even being played out in the Christian church? So the question before John was, so Christian cancel culture kind of sounds like an oxymoron. And you kind of addressed that. And then, John, you ruined it again by saying, I said, hey. I know. I know. Sorry. I've seen some people baptize cancel culture recently, in your opinion. Is that even a biblical idea? So not only did you quash one, three questions with one stone, which I didn't even think that was possible, now you throw me off on my pacing. Way to go, man. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, my wife doesn't listen to my podcast because she gets my podcasts all the time. I, uh -huh. I tell her very thorough <laughs> analyses of various things. And so uh, I'm, I'm just glad you're willing to listen to me. Thank you. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is that so basically like my kids, I talk too much <laughs> like my kids when I pick them up from school. But hey, there's some really good questions. Yeah. So let's throw these up here on the board. So this will uh, this will fix that. So Earl said, John, what's it like being so based in a woke world? <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So based. Uh, that's the new term. See, I had to figure out what that term was uh, this year. My kids I didn't even just, I was like, what's based? Uh, my kids just explained it to me two weeks ago. Did they? Okay. And, yeah. And, and I use it and they hate that I use it. So it made like, me feel old. <laughs> I shouldn't feel old, but it made me feel old. like, what, what's every, what people what are saying? Me? Yeah. So I've embraced it now, but um, yeah. So I, for me, you know, I've gone back and forth uh, coming from the Academy has been difficult because uh, there were two, two worlds that I was in. One was the Academy. One was, uh, I guess the Christian or the, the ministry world, I should say. So seminary, uh, I went to a, history program at Liberty. And so I, I kind of had these two different tracks I could go down and I liked them both. I enjoy studying. I enjoy academic work, but I also enjoy ministry. And when I realized that I had effectively, um, by taking certain positions on things and then vocalizing them publicly, I had kind of self-canceled because right, there's right. certain well, positions you're just not allowed to have in the Academy, even in the Christian Academy. I mean, they, uh, even even a lot of quote unquote Christians would be very apprehensive of embracing someone who said some of the things that I've said, which to me, many of them are just common sense. But it's it's scary out there. I get it. I, I've had my I've had to work through it because I've had my questioning of whether or not, you know, should I have said what I said? Should I have uh, been as anti social justice as I've been? Did I make a mistake? I've gone through that, but I've come out the other side and I realized, no, no, not at all. One hundred percent. You know, if it's if it's something that is backed up by the word of God and common sense, I'm not going to back down from it. It's just not an option in my mind. You know, my Lord, um, Jesus Christ, when he came to this earth, I mean, he said some things that really made the establishment mad mm -hmm. and he decided to stick to what he actually said. And so did the apostles. Now, they, maybe they paid the price for it. You could say in the temporal world but they have their reward is in heaven. And that's yes. where I'm looking for my reward as well. And so. No, at this point, I just uh, I'm just living a joyful life. I, I laugh at, at people who want to try to smear and try to um, just twist things. And so many of these people are so miserable. 
You know, I don't know if you've ever done this when someone smears you, but if you go to their, if, if they have social media, you go to their social media and you kind of humanize them, you look at who they are and stuff. And I, I just, just, sometimes I'll do that and I just feel very uh, sorry for people. So right. there's so yeah. much more to be, there's yeah. so much more to, to enjoy in life rather than worrying about, oh man, John has a gray shirt on and we're doing gray shirt cancel week. And I'm just really worried and bothered by John having a gray shirt to the point that it right. makes me miserable. And I could be enjoying so many other things, like trying to figure out what in the world does based mean. And uh, <laughs> Ab Abigail right. just said that based means it's short for based in facts. Abigail, thank you so much. Cause actually the dynamic duo did not explain it to me. Cause that would have made so much more sense if the dynamic duo had told me that. See, I thought so my, my definition, I thought it was, um, it was like, cool. It was, you're kind of right, and, right. And, and sort of rebellious. Like you're kind of right. like leather jacket wearing, like I'm just kind of doing my own thing. Cause I reject the current narrative or whatever, but maybe I'm wrong. Okay. No, I, I mean, so, okay. Based. If I understand it correctly, based is like the best. Then there's mid and then there's oh, cringe. I know. I know right? what like, cringe is. I know. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So you got base. Base is the opposite of cringe. So, you know, you, you're trendy, you're hip, you're cool or based in facts. Like John has a, a cool gray shirt on and that's based in fact that the shirt is cool. That's how I yeah. understand it. Right. right? Okay. Mid is just kind of like, I can take it or leave it. That's how. That's yeah. We how don't want to be mid. That's lukewarm. God that's, spits that's, that out. I see what you did there. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is that the Lord was saying that the church in Laodicea was they were mid. He wanted them to be base, but they were really cr cringe. I'm sorry, they were base or cringe, but they were mid. Right. Come on, man. We even made right. it biblical up in this. Place. We even have mid mid tribulational and and you know all. We got to be based millennial. That's the way I think <laughs> as Christians. So. <laughs> I don't know if that was exactly where we were going. I just texted my daughter, told her to come down here so she can explain based to us on the after show you have to change right. the title of the video to uh two christians explain the definition of based or something right spend entirely too much time discussing base all right so uh fred said if you had only five minutes to discuss the spiritual stance on social justice what text would you use that's a great question excellent fred from the bible i'm assuming right yeah <laughs> and so wow yeah so that if you only had five minutes See that, and for someone like myself who's extrovert and likes to talk uh, and explain things Come thoroughly, on. that you know, you have to really, I have to to kind of bring it in for something like that. Right. I would honestly, I would keep it simple. If I only have five minutes, I would probably try to focus on one thing and not three things, right? So I would have an option. Very I could fo focus on the ethics of it, uh, on what actually the the, the, the me mechanism of social justice, what it's attempting to do to redistribute wealth. So that goes back to stealing. So I could really mm -hmm. just, I could go to the 10 commandments and thou shall not steal. And I could just extrapolate from there on why social justice uh, is, is wrong because that's what it's essentially advocating. Or if uh, depending on who I'm talking to, if I had five minutes and I wanted to maybe go in a, a different direction, like uh, talk about uh, their, their view of truth, and and standpoint epistemology and, and all of that um i think we could i don't know what verse would i use for that there's there's so many um i think not being captive by by worldly philosophies worldly philosophies and i think maybe we could like yeah go from there and or or how um i often like to cite how uh, paul commended the bereans for searching the scriptures and how approved workmen should not be ashamed so these these are all verses that seem to indicate that it's the the time and effort you put into knowing the scripture that matters, not your 
your your uh, skin color or your your ethnic makeup or or your gender or something um, like that, you know, that doesn't serve as a barrier for understanding the truth. Um, so, so I, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't quite prepared for that question, but those are two was options that you could use, I suppose. And I'm sure there's no, others. So, oh yeah, I think I agree with you. I would probably just explain how Christ broke down the barrier and the wall of separation. That would probably be my go-to if I only have five minutes to capture their attention and to show that he has done so much to unify us in, in him. And in Christ, we're so unified. Why would we want right. to? How dare we ever consider dividing over John is wearing a gray shirt or something banana crazy like that? So, um, and, and that would probably question, be Fred. good against the BLM. I'm thinking even you know broader social justice itself. You know, Me Too and all the rest. You know what? So, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Well, there's tons of ways to unpack that question. So, I was just thinking like if I was sitting down having a coffee with somebody who was in one of those movements or whatnot. So, right, but yes, right. you could say like, if, if you had an opportunity to lecture for five minutes on the topic, did a TED talk on it, what would you do too? So another one, you, you could to, uh, skin uh, cat. talk about how Jesus Wait. said evil comes from within, you know, because all the social justice manifestations have in common this idea that evil is systemic. It's out there. It's we're corrupted by our environment somehow. Oh, yes, yes. You know, so you could talk about what Jesus actually said about where evil really originates from. So. Excellent point. Yeah, there's a lot of ways, man. That's a great question, Fred. All right, here's another one real quick. Question, are there any seminaries you would recommend for a young or missionary pastor to be? I have a brother on fire for the Lord, but I worry for him with how things are now. Oh, man, it's hard for me to put my name behind uh, institutions that I just don't thoroughly know everything about. So that's yeah. been difficult. People will send me recommendations. What I've said is that Southern Evangelical Seminary has actively taken a stance against social justice. Like they're very adamant about it. Mm -hmm. So doesn't mean that you're going to agree with everything else that, that's there maybe, but they are orthodox and they did take a stand against it. So I, I tend to at least ask people if they're looking, consider them. Um, when it comes to Bible colleges, I usually recommend Appalachian just because I um, have some connections there and I know that they've actively internally at least taken a uh, stand against it. They've even tried to pr prepare their faculty in, in at least some departments to um, to teach against it. So um, so that's another one. Um, th it's hard, though. There's just uh, th there's so many that smaller ones that are probably good, but that I just don't have any way of verifying, really. Right. Um, so hopefully that so, helps. Yeah. What would you say, you know, just to build off of this one, what would you say maybe like would be like a checklist, something they could look for? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Like what would be a checklist, size, yeah, or something of that nature? I, I tend to, so the, because 2020 was such a helpful moment, uh, like, you know, June of 2020, when every ministry seemed to want to make a statement, you can actually go back in their social media feeds or on their website, wherever their press releases are, and just look at what they said in June of 2020. And I think that's a really a good place to maybe start because if they're as an institution they're making these crazy statements then you know that that's probably not a place you want to go to um i think other than that you just you can do a search on their website and just type in some keywords that type in i would type in like racism type in um you know abuse type in mm -hmm. justice and just see what comes up see see what kinds of things that they're promoting through their website and that's also another good indicator it's 
really helpful when you have organizations that have made positive statements. In other words, they've, they've come out and they've actually said something against social justice. That's what I don't find a lot of. So if you, if you found one that has that, then that's great. Um, I like it. So yeah, so those are some things. Do some searching on their social, check out what they're talking about, where they were. Um, no, I think that was, that's great. Um, yeah, perfect, man. Excellent question. Excellent question. Real quick. Yes, I'm from Atlanta. Dr. Bob asked, Dr. Bob has asked some interesting questions tonight. Do you know him? Do you know Dr. Bob? Uh, I think I might. I think he I might. might. Yeah. He might be based. If it's the same know. Dr. Bob I'm thinking of. Yeah, he's pretty based. He's pretty based. Okay. My kids are absolutely cringing. I can I can tell they are. Uh, yes, I live in Atlanta. Absolutely. All right. So, John, here's another question for you. And thank you so much for your questions, everybody. What is the best way to approach your church leaders when you see they're going woke, especially if you're a single woman? Oh, well, neither wow. Neither of us are single women, but <laughs> what would we say? Yeah, so if we were social justice and not based, then we would say, well, we can't put ourselves in the shoes of a single woman. I mean, that's just uh, Fact, unthinkable because that's so, yeah, it's an oppressed category that we don't have any knowledge of. But um, because the Bible, uh, yeah, it gives us directives for um, everyone. I would say this. I think you can um, start by asking questions and, and make them good questions. Think through the questions you want to ask. So don't ask your pastor or whoever's pr pushing this stuff, don't ask them, hey, are you woke, right? Because everyone's going to say, know. no, no, I'm not woke, right? Um, every, I mean, Eric Mason might tell you he's woke, but everyone else is going to say they're not woke. Eric Mason wrote the book on being woke. He kind of can't <laughs> escape it now. He has to say he's woke. Yeah, he's got to own that thing. He's, he's got to own, own it. it. Um, I mean, even Thabiti and Abwile, I think, uh, like a year ago, was talking about how, like, you know, no one uses the term woke or something. It's like, oh, what? Uh, you, weren't you using Eric, it? But, yeah. And Eric Mason certainly did. But um, wrote the book on it. The, the people want to distance themselves so much from it. So so ask a better question because everyone has they, they want to redefine critical race theory and social mm -hmm. justice and all these things. Ask them a question like, do you think, Pastor, we get better interpretations of the Bible the more ethnicities represented in the interpretive process or genders oh, wow. represented or, you know, ask a question like that, because that really they have to answer one way or the other. And they're going to give you um, really where they stand, you know, with a question like that. Or, you know, ask them a question like, Pastor, um, I understand homosexuality is a sin. We all believe that. But do you think it's wrong to have same sex attractions if we don't act on that? What do you think, Pastor? You know, that's the kind of question that gets them to to really, you know, they have to commit. They, they have to somehow. They have to commit you know, to some, to some answer. I agree. They, they, they have, or, or, you know, go to a, like a passage in scripture. Go, go to something that's super politically incorrect today, like Paul's teaching on slaves submitting to their masters or on women keeping silent in church. Or I don't know, one of these passages that people don't like to talk about. And you can ask, you know, your pastor, whoever, pastor, what do you think about this passage? I'm reading it. And uh, I'm just wondering, like, this doesn't seem right. Is this right? Is this wrong? And to see what they say. And then they're going to give you they're going to a window into what they actually think of divine scripture, how they view it. So uh, those are just a few options. Wow. Excellent, man. Thank you so much. I don't know, man. I think you've you've thrown my the car off the tracks, man, because now the questions are getting better than my questions. And I'm actually feeling some kind of way now. I'm a little bit miffed about this. All right. Are you um, feeling like mid a little? Is that? I'm feeling a lot of cringe, man. I'm feeling a lot cringe. of cringe. Oh, I feel a lot of cringe because my guest on my show has incited better questions than the questions that I had planned to ask, and now <laughs> I don't even know what to do with myself. So I'm actually I'm waiting from and my teenagers ignore me because I texted her and told her come here so she could explain this to us, but she's ignoring me. 
So now I have to figure it out myself. John, what do you do with people who accuse you of being a racist? Uh, I tell them I'm just based. No, I laugh at it. I, 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 it. I mean, I just, I at this it. point, I used to take offense to it. And I mean, it's hard not to. That's one of the worst things that you can call yeah, someone yeah. in this day and age. But at this point, it's just funny to me when people say it because I'm like, you, you don't know me. Obviously, if, if someone says that they don't know who I am and uh, kind of uh, we were talking about it actually later earlier today when we were kind of setting up for the show. And I was telling you a little bit about kind of how I grew up, my experiences and stuff and um, and in even who my friends are. And it's just it, it's really, I think, just a, an, a, a smear that people use because they just want to discredit. It's not anything they're they've seriously thought through and they really. Um, have primary sources they can point to that prove uh, that I'm racist. And, and generally the people that are leveling that kind of accusations, they're doing it about all kinds of other folks too, who aren't racist mm -hmm. or, and, and what I, I should probably define what I mean. Cause I don't even like using that term. Yeah. Racist has lost its meaning. It, I don't even know what it means anymore. And, and so I don't like to use it. I, I'll say ethnically ethnic partiality, or I, like I try that. to keep it more biblical, but uh, yeah. So that's what I mean. If someone's accusing someone of that of me of that or anyone else and saying well they're they're ethnically partial they hate people because of their race or something i'm like well you know where are you getting this and, and it's usually it's stupid stuff so it, it's worth laughing at it's worth uh doing a little jig dancing and saying hey blessed jesus said blessed are you when men sp uh, speak evil of you on account of me and if it's something i've said that was true but then you know they're drawing from it the wrong conclusion then um, I just take it as a compliment. I, I, I'm with you, my friend. I love it. All right. They're coming fast and furious, man. These questions are getting... I might, I might ask these people to start giving me some questions next time. How about that? All right, John, how do you approach a parent who being led down, who's being led down the path of wokeness by a significant other without being disrespectful? So the, the parent, I'm assuming the parent here is being led by the child. The child's going woke and now the parent wants to go woke. I, I, that's what I'm picking up here. Okay. I um, understood it as like, if my mom got remarried. Oh. I, I, that's what I'm understanding. And Brandy, Brandy okay. All right. is probably open to either way, my interpretation okay. or yours. She's good. Wow. So I, I've been fortunate and blessed that my parents aren't going down that path. Uh, I've had situations in, in in the family where people have gone down other erroneous paths that i've had yeah, yeah. to talk about but uh, wokeness hasn't been one of them i have had friends though that have gone down the path so that's the for in my own experience that's the closest i can uh, approximate and um man it's hard sometimes i've had different reactions it really depends on how arrogant people are and how and also how arrogant you are so you want to make sure you're humble in your approach God resists nice. the proud, gives grace to the humble. That's the principle that I've tried to live out as best as I can. When someone's arrogant, um, then they need, sometimes it's going to be correction. Uh, it's going to be confrontation um, and in neuthetic, right? So uh, so I have had to confront before. And sometimes when if someone's arrogant, it doesn't go well. I've also seen the where people are humble and they're going down this path and I've I've asked good questions and they've come out of it and they realize the error that they're going towards. So, okay. I, would John, say, I yeah, don't mean to cut you off, but the question, uh, Brandy did give some caveat. You ready? Yeah, go for it. All right, here it comes. My mother is dating a Muslim. Okay. Very pro black. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I, man, it's hard, you know, without knowing the specifics of the situation is, is her mother saved? Does she claim to be a Christian? Is she, 
that she claimed to be a Muslim. I, I, all of right. that might factor into it to some extent. But um, if the concern is that he's part of the nation of Islam or, or part of one of these Muslim sects, that's kind of like um, black nationalist or black I don't know, supremacist or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. some strand of that. Um, then, I mean, I would just probably appeal to her as, as, as knowing her as your mother appeal to her in the best way you possibly know how that, you know, mom, these are people, these are, you know, are, do you view other races as less? If so, why, you know, whatever challenging questions that can be, um, I, I just focus on questions because I think it's usually deemed less challenging rather than condemning right away. If you ask a question, people can, it gives them an opportunity to think through it themselves and come to their own conclusions. And in that process, there, there's more of a chance of them coming to the truth than they, if you just come at them, they can bristle and kind of uh, evade and um, man, but without, that sounds like a complicated situation. And, and Brandy, I'm going to pray for you today because that's not easy. Yeah. yeah. I would, I would just to answer as well, I would make sure that, I'm my communication with my mom is open as best as possible so that we can, you know, we're going out for coffee, we're, we're going out shopping, whatever, like that, going to brunch, things like that. And just kind of uh, have a way to ask questions and for her to share who she is and where she's going. Cause if you know your mom, if you're going out with your mom once a month for brunch, you're used to see, hearing certain things from her. Then you go to go out to brunch with her today. And then she's saying something totally off in left field you kind of get a better gauge. Like, oh, wait, she's using some terms that I've never heard of before. And she's using phraseology and dressing differently. Okay, maybe I need to do a little bit more research. Then you can, then you're a little bit more, more equipped even in your question asking um, where you want to go with that. So if that would be my little two cents. And patience is important. Communication. So that is correct. Like being yeah. patient and being, this is a, like, if, if, if she is a believer and she's trying to be getting converted, then we, we know that the Lord, we're, we're trusting the Lord rather, that he's going to hold her, even if she goes off into, loses her mind for six months, a year, whatever. We're, we're trusting God to hold on to her. So with that being the case, we're just, we're going to take our time, find out what we need to know and ask really good questions. Because yeah. if you come in hot and you say, oh, well, he's a Muslim and this is what I believe Muslims believe. And you come in there giving basically wrong information, that is going to cause bristle. That is going to... Or even worse, you might be evangelizing her and telling her, hey, you know, Muslims believe this and this, that, and others. Like, oh, I didn't even know I was supposed to believe that. Thank you. So I think just making sure you have, you spend the time and keep the lines of communication open are probably the best way. Yeah. That'd be my two cents. Letting her know that you love her despite whatever happens, you're still there and all of that. Yeah. yeah. My mom is usually in the chat, but she's not in the chat today because I would pick on her, but she's not in the chat. I don't see her. All right, let us keep this game a rolling. Man, these questions are outstanding. What are some groups that you guys would consider partnering with at this point? G3, founders, et cetera. Is there a way we can have a greater unity among similar groups? What you think about that, John? Uh, wow. It, you know, so G3 and found, founders does have their church. Uh, and I think G3 does too, right? That you can join as a member, as, as a church or something, but they... What they don't have, unfortunately, is what um, like the Southern Baptist Convention offers, where you can have chaplain training and they have seminaries and they have missionaries that you can support. And it 
so I, I think that there, there's there, they would be, I guess, considered more like loose affiliations, right? So mm -hmm. I think it's a good place to go and, and to um, find out if there's people of like mind there that can partner with you on various ministry things, but you're still going to have to do the coordinating yourself. Uh, the IFCA is another organization I've said that I think might be a fit for some Christians. Um, and it's, they have a little more, they, so you can get your chaplain certification through IFCA. If you go nice. to their convention, they have IFCA missionaries, right? So there's okay. a little bit more there. Um, I've heard the fire network is good. Uh, I actually just read a statement today, the fire network and the IFCA both have resolutions against social justice. Um, and so that's a fire network is for reform churches. Mm -hmm. um, so th there's all sorts of little things starting to spring up, I know, but we have, haven't seen anything comparable to a denomination yet that could do the, the work the denomination does. Um, and that's, that's what I'm hoping will happen, but it's just not happening. I don't know why. Maybe you have some thoughts on that, uh, Jason. I do not, because I was reading the next question and I was like, "Wow, this one's going to be a this one's going to be a stinger." But um, no, I like the fact that if, as you pointed out, that these organizations that have some kind of extension service, if you will, like the chaplain service and and such like that, I think that that is good, and hopefully more will start doing that. But um, I think just if they're making a, a clear defined line between social issues and such like that and speaking very clearly on it, I think that in, in holding tight to God's word, I do believe that will be the, uh, will help be the, the nice line of demarcation for these organizations. So, you know, if, if the uh, if G3 or founders or whomever, they have a very clear statement on these particular issues, you already know where they stand. I think that that's more, be that's definitely better than nothing at all so and if they're hated by the other side that's a good sign <laughs> well that is a that is a good point that's a good point if julie royce does hit pieces on them then you're probably in the right place all right question i am from an area where there are no churches on discerning christian on the discerning, uh, the christian. discerning christians website yeah okay 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 yeah, and yeah every church is about. compromising with nine marks or um the gospel coalition should i move where can i go uh so you have a few options you can start a church which i don't know if that's an option but that might be for some people you can move obviously and uh i don't know if that's possible some people can't in their economic position right or you can um keep looking and drive a long way uh and uh I don't know of any other options outside of that because you do need to be part of a New Testament church. Um, I don't know what to what extent some of these churches also have compromised. So there might be a church. Uh, in fact, I'm thinking of a church right now that I know in 2020 wasn't really all that great. And I wouldn't would not have gone there mm -hmm. just because of what the pastors were putting on social media. And now they have seen the error of that and they've gone 180 degrees the opposite. So don't think that just because someone was we're not cancel culture people here, right? Just because someone was woke at one point doesn't mean that they're still woke. That people, we believe that people actually can be changed, uh, if, yes. and if they're Christians by the Holy Spirit, and so, um, so you might need to spend a little time if those other two options aren't available, uh, trying to assert your own influence and, and the influence of of the Word of God at a church that would be open to um, correction. So, so let me ask a question then, John, because you, 
you said, okay, you saw a church, let's just call it one, two, three Baptist church. And in times past, they were, they were woke or you wouldn't, you would not have attended. He said, yeah. But now you're saying, Hey, they, they've seen the air of their ways. Would you actually address that? If you maybe were visiting or, or thinking about joining, would you actually sit down? And then the next question is, are you sure it's the same leadership? It is. From, yeah, it is. Okay. So would you talk yeah. with them about that or would you just take them where they are now or find out how they came to this place? What would you do? It probably depends to what extent that they were involved in social justice thinking. I think there's a certain, yeah, if they were. Let's like, just say that the run of the mill black square, um, you know, not, not, not putting it on their marquees and, you know, doing communion with Arizona tea and Skittles, <laughs> but just, you know, for the most part, just, yeah. just going along with the zeitgeist of 2020. Would you, I would, I would ask some questions. I would probably ask them, yeah, okay. in a friendly way, but just, you know, just see if they're still on the same wavelength. And actually, a friend of mine who just joined this particular church, he asked me to check it out for him. And that's what I did. I did what I I uh, asked, well, the advice I gave earlier about go back to see what they were posting in 2020. And based on that, you know, a big organization, and if they haven't retracted it, you know, you may not want to go to a college that has that. So this church had not officially done that. But I noticed mm. the pastor's personal social media, they had said some things that I found to be questionable. And so I just let my friend know. And he did sit down with the leaders there. And he didn't even actually have to ask them about that because they beat him to the punch. And they told him how they how they, how ridiculous BLM was. And apparently they even listen to my podcast now. And um, it, it wasn't even an issue anymore. It just they had kind of gone gotten played. And they right. a lot of people got played. And then they they realized what was happening. And so but yeah, I think it, it's important to get clarification on it uh, just to make sure that it doesn't reemerge because we're going to have another opportunity for this reemerging real soon, I'm sure. Sadly, but true. Yeah, I like that. That's a good approach. All right. So Josh says, question, would you agree that at the present moment that a thinking Christian couldn't vote Democrat and still be following Christian ethics? I find myself in a very blue area and can't understand. Uh, so I've probably deviated some from some of the other voices out there on the right in Christianity, uh, that have basically said, if you vote Democrat or if you're registered Democrat, that in and of itself is a sin and, and you should be, you know, excommunicated. I, this is my caveat, um, and I, and not excommunicated, but church disciplined. Yeah. This is my caveat on that. Um, so I think it's very likely in most circumstances that yes, that probably needs to be confronted. And if it's unrepentant, then yes. But I, I just happen to know a lot of people who grew up in union families or just they didn't think about who they were registering or, you know, they, it was total ignorance. And I don't, before jumping down someone's throat, I want to use that opportunity as a discipleship opportunity and see how they react. So if they react and they're and eventually it winds up with them supporting Democratic Party platform or Democratic positions that are in contradiction to scripture, then, yeah, we go down the church discipline route. But uh, I don't think that um, just because there's a Democrat by their party registration that, that you necessarily do that. And so um, the individual who asked the question says he's in a Democratic area. I'm assuming there's a practical thing here, like we're going to get a Democrat in charge anyway, so. Um, I might as well be registered a Democrat so I can vote in the primary. I've heard Christians who offer that logic and, 
it makes more sense to me in a place like West Virginia where you can have pro-life Democrats and stuff. But um, in most places now, if you're in a real blue area, that means whoever's going to be in charge is going to be a God hating, uh, you know, at least Bible hating uh, representative. And for me, um, I just I haven't been able to to go that far. I, I, I have my conscience would be screaming at me, I think, if I were to register as a Democrat. And then vote for someone who was in favor of gender confusion and abortion and, and the rest of it. That would wouldn't be an option for me. Um, so, yeah. All right. And uh, just this is kind of like a caveat to that. More questions would need to be asked. But since honestly, don't see how one can align themselves with the party that party platform. I kind of agree. Yeah. With, I, I definitely agree with her, and I definitely would would like more people to have like more in-depth conversations. Like let's, let's talk about that a little bit more. As you see, I'm, I'm all about conversing with people. I want to talk to you before I castigate you, especially since we're talking about cancel cultures. So I think if I just have a sit down and really, like, okay, help me understand how you marry these two ideas. The party believes this scripture teaches this they're, they're opposed. How do you, how do you make that happen? Cause I do think, and, and not, not making any excuses at all. I do think a lot of people don't think about those things. Like you said, they're, they're part of their union, like their whole family. I hate to say it, but many of us who are of the high melanin, we don't even think about it. They're, you're just supposed to be Democrat. You couldn't, we couldn't explain why, but we're just supposed to be. Why? Because we're black. But why? Because we're black. You do realize I'm asked why again. Like again, so I don't think a lot of them actually think about that. So I, I that, that, yeah. that would be my approach. Like sit down with a person, ask questions. I'm not going to be able to convert, you know, 20 people. But I might have to just sit down with five or six and maybe we do some coffee or whatever and just kind of understand how do you come to this? Because I find when people are pushed back on and people ask more detailed questions, then we get some uh, we get somewhere. Um, I don't know why this gentleman right here wants to know, are you alive? You're alive? <laughs> AD is wondering why you're alive. Like he, Because I don't do live videos much. I just pre-record <laughs> stuff and upload it. So he's probably, you know. But AD doesn't do live videos much, does he? AD, you don't do live videos. I'm going to get him to do a live with me one day, too. Well, we did a live. Yeah, we did one. Yeah. Oh, you guys. Yeah. No, I know you did one with him. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm going to teach him how to do it so he can just do his live. He needs to do a live while he's out fishing. Since he's out here getting all these fish and stuff like that, feeding families and stuff. I love it. If he's got a network out there, I don't know. I mean, yeah. What's going on, man? All right. So here's another question for you, John. Question. Where is wokeism going next? Uh, that's just a fantastic question. And what is the next step in its development in the church? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know yeah. where it's going next. It could go in so many directions. I've thought of the uh, the American left as kind of a uh, is organization that has a wheel of fortune wheel somewhere, you know, and and they just kind of they they decide what you think, right? They have like all these different issues on it, mm-hmm. and they spin it. And whatever it lands on, they're like, okay, well, for this year, this month, or this period of time, we're going to be pushing for this. And then it abruptly ends when the new thing comes on. So we, we've had yes. like the Me Too movement. It was like sure did. nothing else mattered but Me Too. And then all of a sudden, Black Lives Mattered. And that was it. And you couldn't you know, talk. And then COVID mattered and masks and vaccines. And, and then after that, um, I think now what Ukraine mattered. And now, mm-hmm. sure you know. Did. And what's the next thing, right? So I don't know exactly where it's going because it, it seems like it takes one of these little 
moments where so, something sparks something else. It's, you know, the George Floyd moment sparked everything sparked else. This, yes. So tomorrow we could wake up and the news could be talking about something that we just didn't even think was going to be a big issue. And that becomes the thing. Uh, so I don't know where it's going next. I can tell you this, though. Uh, I've thought this with, with Christianity. The LGBT issue is the, the bridge too far. So I've been able to, I, I think, if you look at it biblically and consistently, you can't make any of these social justice movements compatible with Christianity. But I can see how Christians have been able to fly under the radar as much as they could with Me Too and BLM and COVID because they were able to find enough commonality in scripture or, or enough things they could twist to try to jam it into scripture that most people wouldn't detect it in the church. And, um, and, and they could twist the whole BLM thing into something it wasn't. They could have, you know, I heard, I don't know how many pastors say, well, it's just about like honoring the Imago Dei or loving your neighbors. Right. And it's like, yeah. that's not what it was about, but, but they make it about that. So they're able to try to, I don't know how we do that with LGBT. Like, I, I know of people trying to syncretize it. They're not doing a good job. We see that fight in the PCA. But when it comes to transgenderism, I don't know if you saw that gentleman in Australia, Acts 29 pastor, who just, yep, yep that is, they're, they're so blatantly unbiblical at that point. It's like the rubber bands stretch too much and it snaps. There's no way to even de deceive people into thinking that they can still hold on to the Bible in that. You have to pick one. So if the next thing, and I assume the next thing somewhere along the line is going to be a huge transgender and sexual anarchy push uh, where it's not just because because right now you can kind of operate in the church and, and have your Bible. But as long as you're OK with the sexual anarchy out there, I think, though, there's going to be a push soon where you have to be OK with it in your church, too. And if you're not OK with it in your church, then you're a bigot. You're you're might as well be a neo-Nazi running around. Um, that's how they're going to view you. Right. So we have to make a stand now. We should have made a stand a while ago, but a long time ago. That's that's where I think um, that's one of the things that I've been thinking of, and that's on my radar. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the first part of that question. He says, "Where is wokeism going next?" And I'm gonna actually just kind of repurpose it. I'm gonna say, "Where did wokeism come from?" And wokeism is just the ugly child of progressive Christianity dressed up in drag. Um, and, and that's all it is. It's just it's just a form of progressive Christianity. Did God really say? That's all it is. And so where is it going or is to the point, to the next um, part that you said? I don't know where it's going, but I do know what it is. It is just a form of progressive Christianity and liberal Christianity where, again, we, we, we don't believe in sola scriptura. We don't believe that the Bible is sufficient. And God has not clearly said X, Y, Z. He hasn't clearly spoken. So therefore, we can we can it's malleable. So I believe that's where it came from. It's really just a form of progressive Christianity or or progressivism, the, the religion of progression. That would be my um, that would be my answer to that. And uh, I know Bible theory podcast. I'm sure he'll probably answer ask some more questions to it as well. But um, all right, let us get this game a uh, moving. I love it. Thank you, man, John. These are great. I mean, um, again, I had some really good questions. Maybe I'll just put the questions, my questions, just throw them in the dumpster at the bottom of the video. So Earl says, in your books, you have argued that social justice is a religion. I, I agree. What are the best ways to fight back against the false gospel heresy, both in your daily lives and in the broader culture? Do you mind if I start? 
Yeah, please do. So if Earl, I would just ask the question, what would you do if he said that social justice is a part of um, Jehovah's Witness or Islam or Mormonism or Seventh-day Adventist? What would you do? How would you address that issue? The exact same way. You ask questions, find out who they, what they say about Christ, and you clarify it. You find out what they say about um, the nature of man and sin, and you clarify it. You give a biblical response. You find out what salvation is. You clarify it and give biblical response. So I, I don't think we should treat it. I do think it's a religion. There's no question about that. But I don't think we need to treat it like it's some kind of super religion or some kind of special religion. It's just another false religion. And so if that be the case, what would you do if, you know, somebody, if a Jehovah's Witness came knock at your door or if a critical race theorist came knock at your door, ask you to put a black square in your window, what would you do? Very similar thing. That'd be my two cents. John, you don't want to hear me. No, I love, I love your answer. I don't really have much to add to that. I think you're absolutely right. Stay grounded in the word and uh, in the truth. And then, um, yeah, just uh, confront it when you see it. Don't, don't ever cave. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, just ask, ask a lot of questions. I, I find that a lot of people who embrace this really have not thought all of this out, especially they profess to be Christians. They haven't really thought all of this out. Like, wait, when you say this is a gospel issue, when you say that's a gospel issue, what does that mean? And I've gotten the blank stare, the, the cringe stare, whatever you want to call it. They haven't really thought about that. I'm like, you do realize you're adding to the gospel, right? No, 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 I'm not. Yeah, you really are. When you push back, they've, they've never really thought about it. They haven't thought about the implications of if having a multi-ethnic church is a gospel issue. They haven't thought like, well, what does that actually mean? How does that play out? Yeah. In no, there's our, a lot of ignorance and out there. That, and, yeah. and by just giving, asking more questions, that's literally, you don't have to know the answers. Just ask the questions. Um, thank you, man. All right. So we've got another great question. What are your thoughts on content creators who are making it their life mission to cancel other godly men or women because they disagree with their positions or viewpoints? So they're using the, the Christian cancel culture idea. What do you think about that? Oh, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we were talking about. Um, man, yeah. Well, if they're if they're making it their life's mission, if, if, if it so pervades their lives that it characterizes them, that that's what they're ultimately known for. It's what makes them get up in the morning, right? They're, it's always on their mind, that kind of thing. Goodness. You know, if, if that's what we're talking about, then I would say that there's an imbalance in, in one's life. Um, because where does that leave time for the things that God has actually called us to? And um, so, so you're talking about ideology. We're talking about obsession, which actually to get behind cancel culture, we didn't really talk about this, but it's ideological. It's taking all of reality. It's taking the full gamut of what God's created and it's narrowing it down in this narrow channel of evaluation, whereby we, we can see, kind of like with tunnel vision and we only see one thing. So we cherry pick the things we read. Um, we end up um, becoming obsessed, really. It's an obsessive kind of uh, uh, mental disorder, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Yeah. And so I agree. Yeah. So I when I see people start to go down this road, I feel bad for them. I feel like it's a you know, I feel sorry for them. I pray for them. Um, what was the question uh, <laughs> to cancel? So what are your thoughts on it? Well, it's wrong. It's, it's, it, you know, it basically it's it winds up with sin eventually because 
Um, you can't be doing that and also be doing the things God has actually called you to. So, I mean, there's other things I could say, but I feel like I talk too much. So what do you think, uh, Jason? No, I agree with you 100%. And my opinion on people necessarily doesn't matter, but what I tr choose to do is work with content creators that actually are edifying and building up the body. Got on, the, got on the phone with you today. That was well worth my time to have a conversation with you than to sit around and hand ring about foolishness in the world. Like, okay, foolishness is going to be foolishness. I'm not worried about that and whatever, but I would much rather work with and, and encourage you to make good content rather than worrying about somebody who's making bad content. Cause I believe at the end of the day, the Lord will sort them out. So that's my, uh, that's my handling of that. This one's a good one coming. You ready? Sure. All right, here it goes. What do you think of community projects plan to write what is perceived as past wrongs? You know, removing of statues and renaming buildings and streets. Okay. And I wasn't sure what that meant at first. And monuments. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm understanding. I believe, I know Mark, he's, he's a real faithful subscriber. Yeah. I believe that's what he means. Um, man. So it's a broad question because the, the first question I would want to ask is specifically what, it, so what's being done to ameliorate a past wrong? Like for instance, if it's, you're in Michigan and the water's not good, then. Well, let, like, let's say, let's say we're going to change the name of a high school, you know, we got yeah. uh, bad dude of the, of the 1800s high school. And, <laughs> and nobody, knew, nobody knew, nobody knew, nobody knew he was a bad dude until the woke movement said, Hey, you know, yeah. that bad dude. Well, that's happened. Because, I mean, yeah, all over the place. All over yeah. place absolutely. So uh, what, what, what do you think about that? Like they're, they're going to rename the high school. Well, um, so my, my answer is generally, and, and this is going to sound too simple, but I like uh, a friend of mine, Brian McClanahan says this, he just says, no, shut up. That's all he says. He says, no, shut up. You know, and it's so, it, it, it sounds, I guess, rude. And he's not, he's more from the political conservative, uh, you know, standpoint when he's saying yeah. that, but I probably wouldn't be saying shut up, but I would say, um, <laughs> I, I, I would say, you know, just no, you know, just a flat, no, we're not going to do this because what they're doing uh, with with monuments, and I did a whole documentary on this. You can go watch it called yep, American yep. Monument. Um, is they're they're doing what communists have done all over the world in other places. They want to separate a people from their past because if you can do that, then the obligations of the past that you have to and, and the the symbols of the past, the things that inspire one, the things that cause one to want to take care of their community and to defend their community to see that there's something worth. Uh, their attention in their community, those things all go the way of the dodo bird. They're, they're gone. They're, um, the, and you're much more, um, people are much more amiable because they've, they've lost their sense of bearing. They don't know where they've come from. They don't know where they're going and they have nothing to really inspire them. And so that's when the government comes in and the government really, you know, fills the, the gap because nature reports a vacuum and the government's going okay. to, uh, to, to tell you, um, how guilty you should be. And, and it's easy to manipulate someone when they're, when they feel guilty. I mean, we know this on a smaller level. I think we, we can tell when there's a, an unhealthy relationship. You've probably seen this, Jason, where no, most certainly. someone's manipulating someone else by making them out to be such a horrible person and, or they're gaslighting them as the term is popular now. And when you do that to someone, they become putty in your hands. Uh, and, and you, the abusive relationships oftentimes rest on that assumption. Well, this is just that on a mass level. Right. And so, um, so I've made the point that 
you know, some of these monuments and things and renaming and stuff. The, the reason that these things are happening is because what the, what people have done is they've taken current definitions that usually right, are being spun go. by Marxists, but they, yes. they're supposedly supposed to come from an aggrieved social group. So the black community, they'll say, it feels this way. They feel offended or whatever. Or, uh, you know, the trans community or the, whatever group they want to use that's oppressed, they'll use their opinion and they'll say they view it this way. Therefore, you need to have genderless bathrooms or it's, you know, because right. uh, it, it's been a, a stain on your department store for so long that you've oppressed these transgender people. You need to change everything around in your store. And if you question it, then you're doing you're harm. You're, you're doing yeah, you're doing harm to transgender people. You're it's the same thing with the BLM narrative. If you question it, well, you just must hate black people. You don't their opinion doesn't matter to you or something. And what I've said from the beginning, this is actually part of the thing that got me into this from the beginning was what I saw at Southeastern uh, with the anti-monument craze. I said, look, if you're going to do this to historical monuments, I don't care what they are, and you're going to take what you think is supposedly the uh, the view of a currently oppressed group and you're going to impose it upon the past and ignore what the erectors of the monument said about the monument themselves. So you deny authorial intent. Correct. You've just destroyed your basis for interpreting scripture. And you don't even see that you've done it because when someone reads what Paul said about women or uh, really there's so many things in the Bible with Jesus's parables and how politically incorrect some of the things he said were uh, his parables, even using analogies of slavery and so forth. You have now given the enemy the very tool to take apart your own Bible. Because what are you, you going to do when they say, well, the women are offended by what Paul said? Are you going to say the women are wrong? Because as soon as you do that, then you're violating your own standard of interpretation. Because we're always supposed to believe whatever the quote unquote oppressed group thinks. Um, so ultimately, though, what's going on is these aren't oppressed groups that are making these decisions. These are elite academics. These are Marxists behind the veil that are using as a front oppressed peoples to do their bidding. Uh, and they it, it gives them a, a higher moral ground in their own minds to justify the taking down of our own heritage, culture, history. Um, and it, it's extremely dangerous. It, it, I can't even emphasize how dangerous this is. And I, it's kind of concerned me that so many Christians don't see this as a big threat because when we get rid of heroes from the past, then that acid eats through everything. You don't don't think it's gonna, not going to touch your Bible heroes. Don't think it's not going to touch the reformers or the Puritans. Or it already has. Yeah, it already absolutely. has. We talked about this at the beginning. It's already touched George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, Martin Luther, um, and there's many others. Uh, Countless yeah, it, yeah. It, it's it's smeared so many people, and these aren't people that people you know like with Martin Luther. Who's going to Martin Luther because man, his writings on the Jews, man, we just really love that. No one. Nobody. Hardly any. the Nazis did that. Okay, mm -hmm. you know, but you know they they had a misreading of Luther, and they um, had ulterior motives for for even oh, yeah. addressing that topic because if their motives weren't pure, they wouldn't have even addressed the topic in the way that it was addressed. So, I I just want to jump in on that. Sorry. No, no, you're absolutely right. And that's one thing that I've I've done extensive research on that one. Um, and and you can actually go. I have a video on it on Martin Luther and. I probably type it in on my YouTube channel. It'll come right up and I go through that whole situation. But the, the bottom line is this. Will you respect Martin Luther for some positive things he accomplished that he, good Absolutely. things he did? We respect Christopher Columbus because he was a brave explorer, not because of his views on the natives, because he who has the courage during his time to get in a boat and go like it's obvious why we respect some of these people. And 
if we start this cancel culture game, there's no one, there's no, not going to be anyone left at the end of the day. Cause we all have a flaw somewhere. Everybody. And so, um, yeah, that's the concern. You know, can we like David? I mean, David murdered someone and, and you know, had stole uh, his wife. <laughs> yeah. Stole someone's wife. I mean, stole somebody's wife. man after God's it. own heart. I mean, so right. you see where this can go. So absolutely. So no, I, I agree 100%. All right, let's keep this game rolling here. All right, I'm wondering whether opposing the progressive, the progressives makes the different Christian traditions natural allies with each other, or if the differences are too great to work together. I, I'll, I'll answer this one. How about that? Are you a Baptist or a Presbyterian? I'm a Presbyterian. Presbyterian. Yeah, so here we go. I'm a Baptist or Presbyterian already. And, and and right here, Kozar is a Lutheran. All right, confessional Luther. Well, he's a heretic. No, I mean, no, I'm going to stand up for Coase. I'm going to stand up for Coase. Totally. So, great. with that being the case, I think because we have some differences, um, all three of us, we we have some differences, but I think we can consider our differences in light of challenges that we are all facing, and say, you know what? Yeah, we might sprinkle them and you might dunk them, but you know what? I think we're going to leave this. We're going to put this on the shelf to deal with a much greater issue than than that i that would be my that's been my approach so i, I literally had Same. a conversation i had a conversation with steve kozar from the messed up church podcast on yesterday I had a great conversation with him we talked for about an hour and i've never felt in any kind of need to defend my presbyterianism when i talked to him um, when you and i talked um, last week when we talked today i never felt any kind of bristling like i better explain to him why I baptized my kid. No, you know what? It was not, there was no need to. We, I, I, so I don't think, so to answer the person's, Patrick's question back here, to answer Patrick's question, I believe some of these traditions that separate us are really because we don't have persecution, to be honest with you. I think some of that stuff we would do away with in a heartbeat once persecution comes. So I think dealing with progressiveness, many of us, progressive, uh, many of us, Presbyterians, Baptists, Lutherans, and such, We'll say, hey, yeah, we don't have to part ways on that because I need you to watch my six. So what do you think? I don't have anything to add. I totally agree with you. I love it. All right. Uh, here's Brian said, just got in. Hello, everybody. Hey, Jason and Stephen Coz. I can't wait to. Oh, I'm sorry. Hey, good to see you, brother. You uh, know, there's one thing I could say to that last question. I was thinking yeah, about man. this yesterday. Um, I've, I see a lot of Christians trying to find the silver bullet for what explains wokeism and social justice right like well it's just because we weren't post-millennial if we were post-millennial this would never have happened or it's just Absolutely. because we're too pragmat pragmatism or pragmatic, pragmatic. yeah pragmatic. yeah so uh if we weren't you know into pragmatism this would never happen or it's just because and you pick your flavor and i understand and i'm not against all of that analyzing things obviously i analyze things but ultimately we got to understand there's the devil and there's the lord and there's sin and there's righteousness and at the end of the day those who are for righteousness, no matter what stripe of Orthodox Christianity they come from, are going to be standing together against evil. And it's not going to come down to your eschatological view or your view on baptism or some of these other things. It's going to really just be some basic like, hey, do you think stealing's wrong, Jason? Oh, you don't? I don't either. I think it's it's wrong. So like we should band together and oppose the, the thieves right. out there. So that, yeah, I think some very basic questions are being um asked right now and some it's just at such a basic level that i think it, it creates room for us to um fellowship more and work together i love it and I, 
Yeah. And I'm enjoying my new relationships I've had with many people whom maybe I wouldn't have had a conversation with or, or relationship with in the past. So uh, Kozar actually said uh, it helps to take bad ideas to their illogical or rather their logical conclusion to see where they end up. And I agree with that. So yep. that was in reference to um, helping people sort through some of their beliefs, whether it be in politics or in religion. If I could do this correctly. There we go. And I botched it up. Am I sinning by not being active in church? I have spent many years in New York City trying to find a church that's not compromised biblically and or just kooky. Nothing both biblical and normal. Uh-oh. Oof. All right, John, come sinning. on. <laughs> well, okay. The, that word. <laughs> we are we are told to not forsake the assembling together. Um, the whole assumption of the New Testament is that you're going to use your spiritual gifts in the context of other believers, and you need that mm -hmm. fellowship. So I would say, I would phrase it this way. Uh, the whole assumption of the New Testament is that Christians are part of churches. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. Now, you do have examples of people like Paul traveling. And so where where is he attending church when he travels? Well, sometimes he's going into a community and he's starting the church there. So, But he's still identifying or being the tool that God's using to create new believers and he's fellowshipping with them he, wherever he goes. Yes. Uh, so, so that's the question I'd ask is, are you fellowshipping with other believers? Are you using your spiritual gifts? Are you um, participating in the ordinances? So that would be communion, the Lord's Supper. It'd be, um, you know, if you've been, you should have been baptized. Uh, you know, these are the things that I think you need to be um, mindful of. And I don't know specifically um, where this person is at with all that. But I don't think church hopping is is not a way that you can really accomplish that goal. So um, I don't know if his church hopping is like he was here three months or he was there a year or there three. I don't I don't know what that looks like. Uh, but if it's you don't have a consistent place that you're worshiping um, for you know extended period of time in such so, so that you can't even use your spiritual gifts, then yeah, I I would say that there's I don't know how else to say it. Like I guess that would have to be sinful because you're going against the commands of God. Um, I, I do. I want to just say this personally, though. I've been in a similar position in the short term. So I've been I've moved around and I have been places where I could not find a good church. Uh, at one place, I settled. I just settled on a church and it mm -hmm. wasn't optimal, but I just decided that I would continue going there because I could at least somewhat use my gifts. I could gain some encouragement. There were believers there. It wasn't a perfect setup. Okay. Um, another place that I was, uh, I ended up church hopping for probably two, two or three months, at least, I think we, we just oh, wow. trying to find a church and it was exhausting. And I just ended up settling on a church and it was, it was a pretty decent church, but I just, I know it's not something you can sustain forever. That's what I do know. And I, I can't put a time limit on you for you, for you. Like, Oh, is it a sin after a year or after two or 10 years? But I just know that that's not that God wants you to assemble with the saints. And if you're not doing it, and if, or if you refuse to do it, certainly sin. But if you're, if you're not doing it, you need to do everything you possibly can to get in a position where you can do it. So maybe Jason, you can correct me if I had got something wrong there. Well, I would just say, um, I would encourage live in a, in an area that had no churches. And I was, to me, I might say, hey, it might be that important to consider a long drive, um, maybe even moving or whatnot. Because if you've 
honestly been to all these places and there's no, I'm not going to say that he's, he's wrong. There might really be no really good churches there in your area, in your borough. Then maybe you need to move to another side of town, maybe move to another place. Because I do think being a member of a church is really that important to move, like really to move. Or to you're going to be driving for a while. I know somebody who drives almost an hour and a half one way to go to church because they can't find a good church in Same. the area. It's 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 worth a three hour drive on Sunday. You you can be doing some good catechism with your kids, but it's worth it to be in a good fellowship of believers because being in the fellowship of believers helps you in so many other ways. Now, granted, I enjoy talking to you, John, but you're not going to be there with me you know, coming to sit here in my office with me when I'm going through some major struggle in life. One of my church members, my deacon, my elder, my pastor will be there. And so having that network of people to me is well worth it. And keep in mind, that's what God has called them there to do. That's part of our our, our, our joy in being with you and serving with you. I, I am a deacon. I, I talk about this often. I am a deacon and it's a joy to parse through these matters with my fellow um, brothers for the benefit of our church or to help a widow or whatever like that. We have a, a, a teacher whose husband just died tragically um, at the school that is housed in my, at my church. And so now the deacons are going to be, uh, we're going to be cutting some grass. So we're going to make sure that her grass and her lawn is taken care of. So as she's suffering through this, because she also has a, a child with special needs. So we want to do, that's what, she's not a member of our church, but we is our joy to do that. So long story short, being a member of a church benefits you so much that I, I don't want to minimize it. I'm not trying to shake my finger, wag my finger at you, but I would encourage you to, to make the concessions in order to be a part of a Bible believing faithful church and give them the opportunity to, to relish and joy in serving you as well as you being a part to serve them. Yeah. AD uh, said that the King's Chapel in Brooklyn. So Okay. Check it out. Is it? Oh, okay. There's a church. Oh, that's in New what York City. that's what he was saying. Okay, I saw that. Yeah. I wasn't certain what that meant when he put that right there. There it is. I saw it. I just wasn't certain what he meant. Um, yep. Outstanding. So yeah, hopefully that that will encourage him. And again, no shame if you're struggling to find one, but if it's just the foot dragging issue, I think maybe you should uh, pick your feet up a little bit more. Um, <clears throat> can you give me a definition of postmodernism and how it corresponds with critical theory? Oh, man. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm putting that one on you, man. Don't even worry about it. Yeah. Postmodernism, I would say, is one of the streams that filters into critical theory. It's mm -hmm. um, I so I've maybe simplified this. some. I haven't really heard anyone else say this, but I came to the conclusion when I was reading um, Jacques Derrida and Michel Foucault, who are two of the French deconstructionists, postmodernists, that what they were doing, because they basically said this, especially Derrida it overtly says this, that what they're doing is applying the principles of Marxism to things like knowledge and language. Yeah. So I see postmodernism as Marxism that's drilled down super deep and it's transcended things or it's it's gone past things like economics and culture into now we are talking about reality itself and um, and so I'll give you an example of how this would play out just to make it concrete for people out there. Uh, if there was a police shooting outside your house right now, let's say, and, um, 
you have two different versions of the story. Okay. And one is that the cop was in the right one that is that the cop was in the wrong. The version of the story you should believe as Christians, we would say is the one that comports with reality. What actually happened? Who was um, actually practicing justice in that situation? Uh, we would want to know what the facts were objectively speaking. And yes. that's really what Christians have believed for thousands of years. But I think with postmodernism, what happens is you start asking other questions about that because there really is no objective reality. Um, what actually matters is whose narrative is being told and who, who's, uh, to whose benefit is the narrative. So if you, you tell the story in such a way that the policeman is vindicated, then that could oppress, let's say, the, the group that the policeman was, uh, that, that the police shot, you know, whatever group they represent. Yes. So um, I, I would say it's the idea, postmodernism, is that there is no uh, true objective truth but because of this, this Marxist component, which I see in the French deconstructionists, it's not just there isn't any objective truth. It's that there's no objective truth. And we should, uh, because of that fact, believe we, we should believe that things are socially derived, that um, so race is a social construct. Gender is a social mm -hmm. construct. Mm -hmm. um, we that, that's the whole basis of the standpoint of epistemology. It's really a, a development of Marx's class consciousness applied to other things now. Uh, and so we wouldn't ask the question in the scenario I gave, I gave what's objectively true. We would ask, who does it benefit? And then we would have to believe in maybe the victim, you know, even though it was the victim's fault, the victim was a criminal. We would still have to believe the victim's lies and flat platform those as the truth, uh, because there really is no truth. We, but then the moral component is we must side with the oppressed or the, the group that's yes. being aggrieved somehow. So that's how it's kind of worked itself out. A lot of people say things like um, postmodernism is the belief that there are, are no absolutes. That's that's kind of an oversimplification. Um, yeah, and I, I've only always agreed. And I, I thought that, too. And, and and because it it you especially like 10 years ago, we heard postmodernists say that a lot. There are no absolutes. Mm -hmm. um, but it, there is a little more to it when you start reading some of the deconstructionists. They were trying to create a new hierarchy of truth. Um, they were trying to. Um, destroy they they saw objectivity we'll put it this way as like a tool of the western civilization used to oppress and that kind of thing uh, so they were marxists and we forget that it's not actually that separate from marxism it's just a continuation of it applied to these other categories um so th and that's how it how it corresponds to critical theory so so think about it as like marxism is about economics and culture Postmodernism allows you to do things like deconstruct the language and um, and meaning itself. And that's how you come up with all these narratives that don't comport to reality, but you're supposed to believe them. So, yeah. all right. Uh, this is actually the last one. I can't believe it. Do you think that Christian nationalism will be used to as a divider to persuade Christians to align with the left? Yes, uh, I think it's already happening. Yeah, I think it'll be a big issue even going into the election, um, this midterm and especially the presidential election. Christian nationalism will be a hot topic. So the left is going to use this as uh, so. think about it this way. Uh, if you are a regionalist, you love your region so much, mm -hmm. uh, there's suspicion that you don't care about the well-being of everyone. Um, if you love your family too much that could um 
that that could go into kind of like uh, Hatfields and McCoy situations where there's clannishness. And uh, if you love your race too much, right, um, you you end up with segregation if you uh, or or the Holocaust or that that would be nationalism. If you love your nation too much, you you could end up with the Holocaust. This is like the left's kind of um, their all their examples of the various boogeymen um, that they they whip out every time someone wants to defend their nation or, or whatever it may be, something that they're cl- in close proximity to, connected to their family. Right. So this is, I think, the next step on that. So, so, so Christian nationalism is, um, is being portrayed as the idea that you have to be Christian or that the United States is Christian. So if you're not Christian, you're less than. You're not really tr- a true American. And that may not be how what people think of on the right when they think of Christian nationalists, but that is how people on the left are portraying it. So it's the new bigotry. So it's yes. just like if you wanted um, segregation or uh, if you wanted the Holocaust or slavery or feuding or any of these things, it's it's in that same category in their minds because they're saying you're discriminating against Muslims and Hindus and all these other religions. And you're saying that they're not important or that we can ignore them or they don't have anything to contribute and you're not being inclusive to them. And so they're going to set their sights on Christianity and Christian nationalism in particular as a uh, an ideology or a, a movement that needs to be destroyed um, just this in the same way that we would oppose a neo-Nazi, let's say. That's how they're going to portray the whole thing. And I think it's probably going to work for them to some extent. I hate to say that. Really? Okay. I hope it falls flat on his face, but I hope it does I too. I'm just I'm seeing how it motivates the totally left. See. Yeah, yeah, I can totally see it because it, it gives them a, a boogeyman, and it has the boogeyman Christian in their name. So, like the Christian right, that was a boogeyman at one time. But I think this one again, Christian nationalism again is a uh, is a good one. All right, let us go. All right, this is a good one. So where's the best place to start studying to gain a solid understanding of critical theory and social justice movement? Book recommendations would be helpful. Christianity and social justice, religions and conflict. What do you know about that? <laughs> I wrote if a book. We had the yeah. author. Uh, if yeah. We had the author available. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I, that's um, why I wrote the book. So, I mean, I, I could say there's other ones out there too. Um, so, I mean, there's some popular books like Vody Bakum wrote a book, right? Fault Lines, which yep. I think is really good. And there's um, I know there's been a few people who have put out books. AD is in the chat. He put out a book. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, what was the name of his book? AD, what's the name AD, of your book? Um, Social Justice <laughs> Pharisees. That's right. That's it. Yeah. Lies they tell. Yep. Yep. So that's a that's a, um, a that's kind of oh, a, a layman level kind of. Yeah. yeah, there it is. I think that's actually a great starter. And I've told people like, if you think my books are a little too academic or whatever, like this is a really good kind of street fighting book. That's AD writes like a street fighter. Like this is very practical and <laughs> AD the cage fighter. Uh, yeah, there, there was a book, um, man, I have a whole shelf dedicated to this. Let me see here. Um, this was one. This was published back in like the 80s, Social Justice in the Christian Church by Ronald Nash. And it's, it's pretty good. It's actually really short and it gets to, I think, um, it, it has a lot of good things to say. And you will read it thinking like, wait a minute, this was written in the 80s? And he's like, yeah, it's written in the 80s. So, okay. um, Can you show that so, again here? Let me grab yeah. this out of the way. Just yeah. hold up real quick. Social Justice and the Christian Church. Ron Nash. Okay, yeah. good. 
Yep. I would also just say, hey, I would just really familiarize yourself with the scriptures. Like really, especially when you hear people say various and sundry things like, uh, uh, again, multi-ethnic church is a, is a gospel issue. Like really, like and look up and research and find out where that's coming from or when you find, hear these phraseologies used, find a biblical response for them. And some of them might be biblical, but they just may be being taken too far. And some of them might literally be outright lies and it is lying on the Bible. But, you know, as you hear these phrases, look them up, find out where they're coming from, especially if they're claiming they're biblical, where they're getting them from and such like that. So that just will help you with your with your reading because then you'll you'll know what to look for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. There's a lot of good books too that are not yeah. specifically about that, but they're, you know, they're like, I was reading a book actually earlier today and I haven't read the whole thing yet. So I, I can't like recommend it fully, but this is a, it's a history book. It's okay. called the sequel of Appomattox, a chronicle of reunion of the States. It's, it's a book on reconstruction, but the, the reason I, I just mentioned it cause it's sitting here and I was looking at it is because there's a whole section in there that actually kind of contradicts the divided by faith narrative. And some of the historical things haven't really been addressed. I've tried to start putting out material to address some of these things. But um, anyway, uh, you know, the, the idea that, you know, these evil white Christians decided to uh, segregate the churches um, because they just hated black people. And that was and there's really not much more to the story than that. And that's why today in 2022, you have these segregated churches. It's because of white racism still. That's their narrative. Right. Uh, and we hear that all the time. That's um well, and, and there's books, and, and this is one of them that, and, and this is a historical book. I think it was written in the early 1900s, but it tells the story of kind of how we, how that came to be. And it's not exactly like Divided by Faith tells it. So there's, I, I probably, what I need to do, Jason, is come up with a list. I don't have all knowledge, but there's a number of books that I'm thinking of that I'm like, well, the whole book really isn't about social justice, but it definitely has this section that really kind of pokes an eye in, in this, that a narrative or that narrative and so um, oh, I, I'll, I I'll put it on the to-do list. Okay. We'll make it so. So, John, do you hold to a post-millennial es eschatology too, like I think A.D. and Joel Wieben do? Yeah, Joel and A.D. definitely do. I do not. Um, and it's more <laughs> that A.D. Just, just put LOL. Because uh, uh, I love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> he knows we were talking about this when we were in Texas together. Um I so I, I've told this to other people. I've kind of accepted the premillennial uh, view by default because that's what I was raised in. And when I went to seminary, I wanted to explore these other views. And I unfortunately at Southeastern, I really had a terrible eschatology teacher. And I, I feel like this is an area that I want to study more. Um, I uh, I never saw a reason to change my my default position. And that's really the real reason that I am a premillennialist. Uh, it's not because I'm not open to other options. It's more just I haven't been compelled. And I, and when I change a position, I like to think through it very carefully yes. um, before I do that. So, um, so yeah, I don't hold the eschatology as tightly. And in the last few years, I haven't gotten to that study, mostly because things went so crazy that I have put my time and energy into trying to make sure the church doesn't go communist. So that's right. that's the reason I haven't looked into it more. But I, it is on my list. So. I'll give you, I'll give you permission to. to are you, are you, what are you? I'm an amillennialist. Oh man. Okay. So you, you're not post-millennial either. But, um, all right. Last question that we had, it actually was a statement. And uh, I know Kozar just recently left. And this is just in reference to 
um, traditions kind of going out the window in order to unify. Having a confessional tradition background helps us to understand each other better. We can work together making videos for sure and a bunch of other things. So um, that was from Kozar. Absolutely. And I agree. There's there's very little reason. You're, you know, if you don't accept the 1689, you're a heretic. That's what I, th no, I'm just kidding. Oh, see, yeah, there's no reason. See? To, we don't have to go Hatfields and McCoy. I don't, I don't think. Oh yeah. Uh, you're just more based. We'll put it that there way. There we go. And my kids still didn't come in here, man. I hear them in the kitchen, but that's okay. Anyway, I was going to have her explain it to us. I'll make her do a video and explain it. It'll be like bonus material to explain base. But uh, John, man, this was excellent. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Do you have anything else going on? Any new projects or anything besides? We were talking about it before we came on the show, but anything else um, that you'd like to talk about rather with everybody and let them know what you're doing? Uh, there's a men's retreat coming up. October 28th through 30th in the Adirondack Mountains in New York. So that's not close to everyone, but if you're in the area and, uh, or, or four hours or five hours away, I would suggest making the drive. Uh, Russell Fuller is going to be there. It's going to be a good time. And I look forward to seeing all of you. So I love it. I love it. Well, John, I appreciate it, man. Let you know, I want you to know if ever um, you want to come and, and learn new colloquialisms from the teenagers and to such like that, <laughs> I will gladly have you come back on the show. You can talk with uh with my child. Oh, that's my that's my wife actually. That was oh, my child coming. I was gonna say, is she I gonna mean, make a an appearance? She's gonna make a guest appearance right at the end. I texted her two times. I don't know what she she might she might have got home from school and took a nap on her. But um, but ever if you ever do want to come back on, I, I would be more than happy to have you. This was a great conversation. We can talk about some other cool things and to such like that. Um, these questions, everybody, were out of out of this world fantastic questions thank you so much for that you guys you actually usurped my own questions so I actually made my, the show much better so thank you all for that I appreciate you yeah. um, thank you Jason hey man John thank you very much um, I'm gonna get ready to get us out of here everybody thank you so much for stopping by today thank you for your interaction in the chat as well as your questions for John and myself I think that we got some good things answered hopefully some um, give you some good things to consider as you're going throughout your day so i think i want to thank you all very much and until next time everybody peace and peace take care sick of being upsold at gyms my guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.